Hello and welcome to another weekly teaching from Vineyard Community Church, St. Louis. Well, um, I'm going to start out with our Bible tip. You know, I, I, who, who's ever heard of the organization Navigators? Anybody? Like a few of you old folks. So, <laughs> no, they're still around. But the back, they were really a big deal when I was in high school, right? And I remember all my people who had become Christians, we had these little blue packets, and they had memory cards in them. And we all challenged each other, often with wrong motives, to learn who can memorize the most. And guess who was the best? No, it wasn't me. <laughs> in fact, I, I, I realized I really am behind. <laughs> I, but, I, but I fought really hard to memorize these things, even though that's very bad for me. Um, I used to play memory games with my daughter at three, and she would whoop me really bad. I <laughs> thought, this is not good. But So it made me realize, so I memorized, and here's the thing about it. This is one of the verses I memorized, which really is just the tip in itself. What's in, in the book of Joshua? This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but it, you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. And here's the thing I wanted to, a tip is. Begin memorizing Scripture. You will, it's going to be a lot easier for you than me, but it's... Here's the thing is, that packet of cards, that's been 43 years ago. I still think when I'm praying for people, when I'm interacting, when I'm in a situation, those things come to my mind. If you have it memorized, it's in your heart. You can actually keep thinking about it and chew on it. And so I encourage you, memorize it so you can meditate on it. So we're going to move into getting started. This is our last of our Philippian series, and um, uh, we're of the people of the King, and so we'll just, since it's the last series, I thought we just, just remembering, and again, you can always go to the, and watch these teachings, and, or listen to these teachings uh, through our website. The people of the King live with the lens of we and us, not just me and I. The people of the King trust the Bible and the Holy Spirit. The people can know that God is sovereign. The people can share in the experience of in God's experience God's suffering. The people can know that the power comes from humility and serving. The people can are transforms, transforming and transformers. The people can are equal. The people can choose to lose things to gain knowing and experience in Christ. The people can are a work in progress and we participate in that process. The people of King are united for an eternity. And last week we talked about the people can know the secret of contentment, even in the middle of thorns. Today, we're going to talk about helping one another. Now, what I'd say in this is that this is about as main and plain as it gets in Scripture. In, this, in the vineyard, John Wimber used to always say, stay on the main and the plain doesn't mean that all the things are really important. It means that you start with the main and plain. There's certain things the Scripture says so clearly, and the reason you know they're clearly, Jesus says them over and over, they're repeated over and over, there are lots of verses on those things over and over, and those things are the main and the plain, 
And we need to focus on those things, and then everything else ends up finding its place. But if we focus on the non-main in the plane, and this is about as main in the plane as it can get. Have you heard this in our church before? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and all your mind, and all your strength. Now this is when someone asks him, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus answered. This is Jesus' answer. What is the greatest thing? Commandment. And second is this. What? Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. Other words to say, everything falls under that. It summarizes all of what God desires. I'd say that's pretty main and plain. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. What is that? If you love one another. <laughs> and we could just go on and on, and literally we could just go on and on and on, because so, it's so main and plain. It's through there. And so the thing I'd say about it is, is that they will know that we are Jesus' disciples not because we have political power, not because of our self-righteousness, obviously, not because of seeing others as less valuable, not of us comparing ourselves against those people God's called us to love. We all know that, right? But there's things that we do love and we think are really valuable in helping move people towards Jesus, right? We, we see you know, those valuable things. So there's the things that can help people move towards Jesus. I'll just name a few things. I love that God gave us a building that's nice. Don't you? I mean, you know, unless you've been out of the building for a long time, like I have been most of my life, I didn't realize how beautiful buildings were. To have a place together, to have a place that people can come in, to have a place of environment, a place to meet, right? This, this building can help move people towards Jesus. So the programs in youth, our children, and our meetings and the trainings, that really helps people move towards Jesus. Understanding our culture and, and being sensitized to that so we can be relevant, it really helps move people towards Jesus. Good theology is crucial in helping people move towards Jesus. Having a Sunday service where the teaching's not too boring, you know, that <laughs> it's actually engaging and we worship and it's, it's within range of where we can worship. We think, oh, that just, it's just so good to have good worship and great, you know, all this stuff. And coffee's nice too, yeah. So all these things, right? But what's clear in Scripture, right? Very clear that without love being the central point, none of this makes a difference. It just, just cancels it all out, all those good things that God wants to use. If love is not the top thing, that we don't love God above all else and love our neighbor as ourselves. And so we are at a spot where, you know, the place is, we are a church that, you know, we have to understand that our love is going to be what moves people towards Jesus, and our love for one another is how people will see Jesus. And, uh, and so the thing about when I talk about this love, I'm not talking, love is, is very a broad term, right? You can hear it in every kind of context and every definition. Love is not, I'm not mean to you, <laughs> you know, and I don't hate you. I guess I love you. That's not what we're talking about. Love is not something you do because you feel to appease guilt that you should do that thing. Love is not something you give to receive back. Even though those are normal things, that's, just, that's not the love he's talking about. He's talking about the place in that, that he wants us to bring this divine love, this, this love of God, to those people. 
And so as we look at this, it's important that when we think about this whole book of Philippians, what we are watching is thread all the way through is this place of how the, the Philippians and Paul and how connected they are and how they are part of one another. And so it describes in Philippians what I'm talking about, what I'm talking about, to kind of get a definition before we go into this, what we mean by a, a choice to love. I think it's in Philippians 2 where it says you're supposed to have the same, look at Jesus, and you're supposed to have the same mindset of Jesus Christ. And it says, who did nothing, of, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each one of you looking for the interests of others. He talks about this place of showing love by making yourself a servant and choosing to love in that way. This inward choice. Now, so what I want you to do is, first I want to say this. The thing I, I, that blesses me the most about this church is the love. <laughs> There's so much good and so much that God has already done in this area. So I'm not getting on you for this. I'm, thinking, I'm glad for all we have, right? I'm telling you, when I walk in and I just, I just love people. I mean, I, I, I just love you guys. I mean, and I can feel you loving me and I can watch that happening. And so I'm so grateful for that. So, we're grateful for that, right? Aren't you glad we're not a mean church? All right, so. But, here's what I want you to do. As I go through this, I want you to do two things. It goes our teaching. I want you to picture, and I want you to listen. Picture something and listen. And here's what you picture. And I want to actually put a percentage on this, just so you have something very tangible. And if you need to lower your percentage because you don't have faith, that's fine. But I'm going to give you a percentage. Picture what it would look like if God, through his Spirit, increased our capacity to love by 50%, loving one another. What if we loved each other, but if you're like, oh, that's too much, 30%, I don't care. <laughs> what would it be like if we walked in this building, what would it feel like if God raised our capacity to love one another by 50%? Imagine that. Picture that. It's a good picture to think about. When you're at someone's house or when you're in a small group or when you're just hanging out, or you just, the love for each other has just grown to that level. And what I want you to do is to listen. Pay attention as we're just going through this teaching, which is pretty straightforward. Pay attention to what comes to your mind, what God might be saying. Now, that might sound a little extreme for some of you, like, I don't know what God is saying. God speaks to us, but he speaks just by, he brings things to our mind. So I start talking, you begin thinking about certain people or something that stirs you inside. Pay attention to that and listen to say, God, what is the part that you're helping me as a, as a part of this community? What's my part in this? And what are you saying to me? All right. All right. So remember Peggy last week, she made sure we learn that what? Your, the Bible tip was to read Scripture in context. Okay, I think someone's advancing the slides for me, so when I look like I'm looking around, you can do that. So, she used this great example of taking something out of context. You've heard this verse, it may be on your refrigerator, that I can do all things with strength. One of my favorite memes she had was a guy hanging off a cliff 
muscular, good-looking, trying to make it to the top of the cliff. And he says, I can do all things for my Christ who strengthens me. And so we have this used everywhere, but it's, it's out of context, right? The next one shows that what it really come, put it into context there. It talks about this whole place of that before that, he's explaining what he means by all things. He's speaking about this place that I've learned to be content in all these really hard and good, no matter what hits me, no matter how many thorns there are, no matter what, if it's good or if I'm in want or I'm hungry or, or I'm in abundance, I've learned the secret of being content in all things, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's very different. He's talking about because of the love of God and because of my relationship with God, I can be content in every circumstance if people hate me or love me or hate or nice to me or no matter where it is. I know God will take care of me and I can live in that contentment, right? So in some ways you might look at this and say, well, he's self-sufficient, but he's not. You can look at the whole book of Philippians. That's not what he's saying in that. He's, he's saying, no, it makes a big difference. And that's in con now. We're putting that into context of what he's going to say next. So you flip this slide. The next one, he goes on to talk about this place in Philippians. And he, he, he starts out with, in that context, now he leads into this. In other words, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am able to experience the peace of Christ, the contentment of Christ in every situation. Yet, it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases your credit. I have been received payment in full. I have full payment and more, I am well supplied. And I receive from Ephroditus the gifts that you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to the riches and glory of Christ, in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Then he closes out his, the final part of, of this, which I think is appropriate because you can tell, again, you see this whole love for the rest of the body. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. And all greet you, especially those in the house of Caesar. Which I'm guess was a bit of a surprise. Like, oh, the people in the house of Caesar are coming to know Jesus too. Uh, and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. All right. Now, I want to go through just a few verses in, that I think stand out in this, in this next slide. He starts out with this place, which I love. He says, it was kind of you to share in my trouble. Now, when he's talking about trouble, he's talking about this, it's a word in Greek that's like affliction being pressed down and confined and struggling and needing help, right? It's, it's, a, it's a pretty strong term. And it says that you share in my trouble. The, uh, the message says, you came alongside me in my trouble. I think that defines it pretty well. This word share, it's this koinia, this place of actually fellowshipping in this thing with them. And so they, 
he, we shared, but, but he also brought a gift, right? He came alongside and he gave of what he, they had to help Paul. And, uh, you know, what we have to give is our time, our energy, and our money, and our possessions, the things that we have. And, and so what they're saying is you came in and gave your energy, gave your time, gave your emotional, and you also gave me what you had, and you helped me in this situation. Now, I'll tell you what, I, I know this. I've not been in prison. <laughs> I've not experienced anything that Paul's experienced, but I've been in, unfortunately, well, I guess it's not unfortunately, actually, biblically, it's really good that you went through this with me. But, I, I mean, I've been in some crazy crises in our life. And guess what? I can look around and I can say, you came in that with me. There's so many people who literally came alongside of us and actually tangibly did things and gave of themselves, even resources, to help us. I'm telling you, and, and I think about that, I think, you know, wow. It wasn't like, oh, good, I have this, just this need met. That was really good, but it did something else. It connected me to the heart of God. It allowed me to experience God, and it connected me this way, and it connected me this way. And it, but it doesn't have to be crisis. You know, so I want to have you raise your hand on this. Who has need in your life right now? <laughs> I mean, unless you're lying, everybody raises their hand, right? There's different degrees of need. But what I'm saying is that understanding that when God helps you do it, it can be very, it can be elite. You don't have to wait till I'm in prison to help me. Or we don't have to wait for that friend to be in prison. In fact, Debbie and I, we were in California. We were, had... We were draining our bank account. We were beyond broke. And yet, God was moving. We were interning. I was working full-time. I was being trained at Palo Alto Vineyard. And I remember we had this couple named Raleigh and Charlene. And Raleigh and Charlene just loved us. And we had two kids. I mean, we were just tired all the time. And they would say, we want you to come to our house. Which time would be good for you? Anytime, we'll do it. And so we'd, we'd go to their house. It was like walking into a spa. They had, they had this beautiful house. She was a decorator. They had candles on the back patio. Our kids came, and they were playing, and they just, you just sit, you just sit. <laughs> They bought us these huge steaks and this beautiful, oh, it was just, oh. I mean, to this day, that was a long time ago. I can feel it. But I feel more than a good tasting steak. And I feel God. Because they saw our need and they gave what they had to help us. Some of you think, some of you moms think, I say, oh God, please do that for me. I can, I can hear it. I can feel it. <laughs> oh God, the young couple's like, oh, I'm moving to California. All right, so, 
And the thing I'd say in this is that it's interesting, though, is the terminology he uses in verse 15. He's saying, the other people didn't do this, but you did this. You partnered with me in giving and receiving. Now, isn't that an interesting way of phrasing that? You partnered me with me in giving and receiving. He could have said, you partnered me with in giving, right? But he's talking about this place of, you partnered me, you came in and, and you're grasping the things that I'm knowing I want you to get. You know, the, uh, I think it's touching as I kind of study this, because it, it, it can apply to, you know, the, he blessed them and he blessed them back and forth in that kind of giving and receiving. But I think really what it's more getting at is understanding that when you begin giving yourself away like this, it is not just giving yourself away. It is giving yourself and having this receiving that starts taking place that you can't even put words on. It's what Jesus says, he says. Now, we often use this just for money, and it does apply to finances. But really, if you look in context, it's really about you choosing to love other people and giving yourself to them in lots of ways. And it says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap for the measure you use will be measured to you. Right? And he goes on, which I think ties into that directly in 17. He says, I, it's not like I, he's saying, I, I'm not trying to seek you to give me more gifts. <laughs> you know, that's not what I'm after here. But what he says is, I seek the fruit that increases your credit. I seek the fruit that increases your credit. Now, I've received full payment and more, you know, I've been supplied, you know, the things Ephrodite gave me, it's been a gift, it's, I'm taken care of, right? Physically, I'm all right, I'm okay. But really, really, what I love is I love it that you gave. And I, I love it, I'm wanting you to experience the fruit of giving. I want you to experience the fruit of giving yourself away, of choosing to put another person's interest above your own. To choosing to love a person by choice because God has led you to that. Because when you do that, it just changes things. When you humble yourself and you get to this place, right, that you come alongside a person, you think of their interest, and you say, I want to choose to be a servant and provide what they need and, and what their, what's their interest above my own. I make that choice. And when I do that, there's the... It ha what happens is way more than a need being met. <laughs> it is a place in which that it's way more than, okay, I just got my need met. It, it's a place that you experience fruit and you experience this abundance that comes from that. Uh, the NLT says, I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. And I don't think he's just talking about later. He's talking about now. The message says, I do not want you, to, I, want, I want you to experience the blessing that is issued from your generosity. That's what he longed for. And here's what's really cool. When we make these choices to help another person to see their needs and to literally 
have kindness and to, to give of ourselves. When we do that, we are doing it as worship. It's like, we, don't we understand that from what Jesus says in, at the last days when they, he gathers together and he says, what you did to the least of these, you did it to me. When we make those choices like that, they didn't just do it to Paul. They did it to, to Jesus. When we make those choices, we aren't just doing it to that person who has a need. We're doing it unto Jesus. And it is worship. Imagine that. Every time you make that choice, you just sense this place of you worship Jesus. You know, um, and I think the last part in 19, I think addresses the thing that keeps us back from letting God show us and moving and risking because there's a faith involved in this thing, right? Of choosing to put another person's interest above our own. What are you afraid of? What about my needs? Who's going to take care of me? <laughs> it can be subtle or very direct, you know? And you think, okay, let's figure out more of an exchange here. Well, if you, well, you know, that's how we start going to. And so Paul knows that's what they're thinking a little bit too. Like he's wanting to, he's, they're already there like us. He's saying, go to another level. And he says, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Through our God the Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. All right. Likely, if you've been on the church for a long, this isn't like, wow, this is new theological revelation. We're supposed to love each other. But I really feel like the main and plain keeps me in because we, he knows it's hard for us to grasp. It's it. This is it. And I just say that, you know, uh, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, there's so many good things that move people towards Jesus. They're literally God's working in that. And I'm not at all minimizing all those things, right? In the vineyard, you may not know, we're a part of an associated church called the Vineyard. I looked at it and I'm thinking, man, I'm old. I've been in the Vineyard 33 years. So I, I know the Vineyard pretty well. I know every wart and every beautiful thing, and I love the Vineyard. But when the Vineyard started... It was birthed by a lot of people who were grinding out Scripture and were dead inside. And the Spirit of God came, and they started realizing that Spirit and truth are together, and you need everything the Spirit does. <laughs> you have to have the Spirit. And so they focused in on things that we just hadn't seen in the church. They said the Spirit still moves and brings healing and deliverance. You know, the Spirit is, this is everywhere. We can't do anything without the Spirit. But the focus was a lot of how God can move powerfully that we didn't realize was there. And here's the thing. The wild thing was, the vineyard was always like, and you're the ministers. Every ministry time, there was no person on the platform out ministering. It was just everybody ministering to each other. They were saying, this is, you are the ministers. God can come through. I thought, you can? I, I mean, I've, been, I've been grinding away, trying to help people and pastor people. Man, when I found out, you can just pray for people and you can be messed up and God comes through you. I mean, I got so excited. And so it's like, pow, 
power. You know, <laughs> I mean, power was the vineyard term. I mean, it was not because they were like strategizing, thinking what would be a good term. It's just because that's what we felt like. Power. I didn't know you could have the power of God come through you. That it can help people. I didn't know God's power was still around to bring healing, to bring deliverance, for God to speak. I didn't know this was possible. I mean, it was just like everybody were like kids in the vineyard, right? So we, we wrote books on it. And I want to give you these books here. So, you know, you notice there's a commonality here. Power healing, power evangelism, power encounters, PowerPoints. That's like even that way you disciple. That's what the PowerPoints is. It's based on the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, don't get me wrong. I love this. I want more of God's power. And I want us to be people who pray and be confident in God's power coming through us to do all these things, to bring people to Christ, but relying on God's power. But I've come up with what I want another power book to be written. And the next one will be this. How about this? The power of kindness. <laughs> the power of sharing in others' troubles. The power of helping each other. Because sometimes when we hear those terms, we go, oh, I really want that other kind of power. I'm telling you, this is how they will know that we're Jesus' disciple. Because we have this supernatural power to love one another in ways that were impossible. Because of Christ in us. <laughs> this, I'm telling you, we are moving into some crazy times. You don't have to be a genius or a theologian to know. We're going to be, we're going to be looking different than culture in lots of different ways. It's going to keep going. How do we help bring people to Jesus? They'll know who Jesus is by our love for one another. What would they be like if they walked into this church and we had 50% more capacity by God's Spirit to love one another? <laughs> we could get rid of the coffee. I could lead you on a xylophone, you know, uh, uh, it, it, for worship. It would be fine. may not be the best. I'm just telling you, I mean, I mean that in all sincerity. This is it. That's what we're talking about. We're, we're to be a people of God. People need a community to walk into and feel what God feels about them. You know, I, uh, I've realized that you, know, you can actually be in a spot where you can have lots of things going on. You know? You miss this very important thing. Is that the impactful thing is when God works through someone and they love you. And a big way that is they just come in alongside you and they help you by putting themselves in a position of what's their interest and, and I'm going to help and what's the need. I'll see that. And the thing about that, that can be in all different ways. It can be God calling us to look in, look in the the second chapter of Acts, what do you see different? A lot of power, a lot of... But what you see is everybody who didn't even know how to love each other, didn't get along in each other's homes, and there wasn't a need among them because everybody was living in this way, and they weren't thinking, oh, this is really hard to do. They were just 
finding they had entered this place of giving and receiving and they just were living in the kingdom in that way, right? And so it can be all the way from something of tremendous sacrifice, but it's really getting down to it's still the same thing. It's this place in which that the way you love someone is you humble yourself and you look and see what God's doing and you see a need and you feel a bit of a nut, and you, you just think, how could I help? And you begin putting their interests above your own. And you can just do it as goofy as you like, and it works, because it's this place of choice of your heart. I'm going to close with this story. And, uh, and I talked to Jessica Galloway for quite a while to make sure this is all accurate, because I have a tendency of getting confused. So I've, this is, I asked her. One time, Jessica Galloway, I, was, um, I asked her, I said, how did you ever, I know you were a Christian before, I know you weren't really going to church or kind of you really weren't you know connecting with Jesus and you came back to Jesus when did you have this moment you came back to Jesus and Jessica Galloway said oh that's clear it's like when I came to the church the first time and Gail Pedersen said hi to me and walked me around the church I knew I was going to follow Jesus and give my life to him I, I knew this and so I, so I thought, I think I heard that. So I called her. I said, did I hear that right? And she goes, here's it. I said, explain what happened. And we were actually out of town. And Debbie, my wife, had asked how the flower was going to die. This is, the old, this is the vineyard that we used to, we used to do everything. So, so Debbie watered the flowers. So, we said, hey, so she called up Gail Pedersen, who's kind of new to our church. And uh, she said, would you mind watering the flowers? So she's out watering the flowers. And Jessica comes way early gets mixed up in the time. So you know, that nervousness of going to a church the first time, and then now you're there early. <laughs> and then there's this gal watering flowers, and she goes, and so Gail asked, didn't know who she was, didn't know if she part of the church or not. She asked her, she goes, oh, you're new. And Jessica says, for some reason, when she started talking to me, I just knew I was brought in. She just was herself in her gale way. Like she helped me, she made me help her finish the flowers. And, and, and she, she helps, here you grab this. And pretty soon she took her and walked her around the building and talking to her. And I mean, honestly, I kept explaining. I, I was kind of getting to the point of how simple this was. How, you know, probably Gail may not understand that this was a big deal. She probably does because she knows Jessica, but it's like, she's like, just, she's amazing. I said, I think she's just a person watering flowers. <laughs> I mean, just, just, she watered flowers and she said, hi. But when your heart is choosing to love a person and put their interests above your own and you're doing it unto God, it's powerful. And it has, that moment has changed Jessica and then Ryan eventually got along too. <laughs> took a while on you, but yeah. <laughs> so, so, here's what I'm saying. God wants us to join into this partnership of giving and receiving. And so here's my closing invitation. The worst team can come on up. Memorize, so you can meditate. Memorize some scriptures. Start memorizing. There's every possible app to help you with this, so <laughs> no excuse. Uh, ask the Holy Spirit to show you a person with a need in our church or a part of the ministries that our church supports.
I mean, it, we could keep going out wider, the whole body of Christ, but let's, just to keep a, a practical thing, like maybe Waymakers, maybe Oasis, maybe some other places we're connecting to, uh, families that you know or need, those sort of things. And then begin thinking about them, and, and then ask them to show you a person. Have them bring that to your mind. And then ask how you, or you and some others, this might be something he wants other people to come alongside with you, can come along them, alongside them and help. It's how they do it.